I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at PurePleasureShop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shameless Sex Podcast. This is a very, very exciting episode. It is. You have been really excited about I'm it. I'm super excited. So we have our top 10 episodes and our stats of our top 10, not our, our favorites because we have a lot of favorites and it's more than 10, but um, the ones that have done the best in terms of downloads, they've been the most popular. And some of them are like from four years ago and right. we've been around for over five years now, right? We're like five and a half. We'll be six years in, in June or the end of May. May. Yeah. Right. We may, yeah, the very end of May, huh? Legend will be four. And in February, and, so we're and we started in 2017. So yeah, it yeah. will be six years. So in our top 10, uh, in this, in our stats, we see some there from four years ago. And um, one of them though, is from, I think a year ago and, or within the last year and is on cuckolding the hot wifing or hot wife way of, of living. And then we're also adding into this uh, male chastity, which is not a part of those two conversations. Because it's locked. Yeah, Octo- Locktober. Locktober. Locked I was October. trying to educate no. her on this. Locktober. Locktober. I never knew about Locktober. I had no idea either. October it's, is Locktober. You need a calendar to keep track of all the calendar. All the fun months. Months <laughs> that are happening with all the different uh, things. I wonder if Locktober applies to all kinds of chastity play, like not just male chastity, but any sort of chastity play. I don't know. Interesting. Well, we anyways, can, we can, we're going to learn. Yeah. We, we, we're, yeah. We're going to learn and we're going to ask because he will have the info. Yeah. We haven't recorded with him yet. We're about to, uh, 30 minutes out. So <laughs> less than <laughs> yes. Um, so anyways, within those top 10 cuckolding, hot, hot wifing, a very hot topic. And, um, I don't know who the listener is, but if you are listening listener who told us that we should work with Dr. David Lay, thank you for this reference. We're really excited for it. And, um, we will dive in the episode, but first we have a sex question as we always do. And first, I also want to say before, I love you, Amy. I love you too, You're the Chip. Best. She's getting really good at love and gratitude. Yes, I am working on that because more gratitude, an attitude of gratitude is really helpful. You're actually always been good at those things. You think so? I, I'll I take more, I though. I better sometimes. I mean, sometimes you look crusty. Yeah. Me too, though. Especially right before I bleed. Amy's yeah. like, oh, Snapdragon. <laughs> I was like, bleed already. Can yeah. you go masturbate? I'm like, I want you to shove a big dildo yeah. so you can start bleeding. <laughs> on your cervix. It's only when we're traveling together, in hotel room okay anyways here we go <laughs> um okay so sex question from a listener i know you have a few podcasts on dirty talk one we just did recently by the way with uh dirty dirty lo- lo- dirty no 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 uh, lola cat lola dirty cat. lola is a different Dur- educator dirty yeah. lola is awesome as well that was yeah and actually that episode is doing very well anyways um so talking about dirty talk and getting out of your head but i still feel lost my husband has asked me multiple times to make noises during sex and i have trouble expressing myself leaving me virtually silent it feels almost like a deep sense of self-consciousness and i don't know what to do i trust him more than anything so it's probably in my head I think so much and talk very little and it's driving us both crazy. How can I introduce talking and making noises into my sex life when I feel like I look and sound ridiculous? 
I have been there. Me too. Yeah. I've had partners past. I'm speaking in, in, in like the Christmas Carol. Uh, <laughs> partners past have asked me the ghost of Christmas past. Uh, but, but I have had that almost stage fright where they asked me to talk dirty yeah. and I had no idea. I shut down and I, it's like you're in the spotlight. Yes. Yeah. And it's stage fright. It's complete stage fright, even though you're not on a stage because I don't know exactly how to voice things. And we have done an episode on dirty talk back in the day when we first yeah. started. It was and just it was you really, and I. It was yeah. just you and I in a hotel room in like Utah. Oh my God. Yeah. In Salt Lake City. <laughs> and it was, and it was all legitimate, but I've had a lot, even now, sometimes I want to hear dirty talk or naughty talk or sexy talk. I just can't tap into it, but I love it. Like the yeah. audible nature of sexy experiences is super hot to me where it's like, yeah, just yeah. fuck me. Even, but it's, but it's harder for you to reciprocate or to create on your own, especially if someone is asking for it. Then I think about the people pleasing person inside of me thinks about, well, what would they want to hear or what should I say? Right. The, should, the, right, the right way to do it. Right. Is there a right way yeah. or is it going to be a turnoff if I say something weird or, uh, so what do you think about well, that? I can totally resonate with what you're saying a hundred percent. And I identify as a self-proclaimed and proud, uh, pillow princess in the dirty talk business. Um, meaning you I don't do it any person. No, I do it. Oh, um, so I guess it was, but I do it far less than I want my partners to do it just like you're saying so and, and that's just i'm a sub though that's who you I know, am. I'm, I'm a subby subby mcbeagleson so <laughs> i know i, I want to scratch your ear right now yeah and so and it doesn't mean that subby people and maybe this person's not a subby person but like uh, you know a uh, subby human can't initiate or do some sort of sexy dirty talk um but it comes with like little small phrases so for me i feel like it's almost like 80 20 or almost or 90 10 meaning i'm the one it's that's 20 or 10 where i'm giving far less than my partner and my partner at this you know current time is very good at sexy dirty talk and sometimes to the I point where i'm that. like can you stop talking <laughs> i said that before like, less awesome. talking yeah and, and they're fine like i don't need to sugarcoat any of the conversations not i don't have to like do the shit sandwich you know like positive affirmation it's more like shh and they're like okay cool okay good uh, as long as i get to touch that buzzy <laughs> which in oh. itself is dirty talk right right so like there does he respond with that well at least i get to touch your pussy exactly oh, i mean perfect. or or i mean yes and and maybe not but it just i mean it could be so many different things but me vocalizing shh you're talking too much that's or hot. or I don't have to say it that way. Shh, you're talking too much. Does your partner enjoy when you dirty talk back? Oh yeah, they want. They, I mean, they just enjoy all aspects of he, sex in general. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yes, yeah. But in anything that he I've, identifies, and his pronouns are him, he, he him. Yes. Yeah, and uh, he might also. I like how you said they. They do. Oh yeah, neutralizer. <laughs> so yes, I can totally identify with this. And the things. So a couple pieces about this. Number one, and I think we've said this in past episodes, is the fact that sexy talk and dirty talk doesn't need to look a certain way and that you can expand it beyond what you think you should be in the spotlight you know experience i can understand so what i would say number one is to have a conversation with your partner about that insecurity and, and maybe you already have but about the fact that your partner's saying can you do this i want more of this is driving me crazy or us crazy and adds a lot of pressure which we just did a podcast on pressure that won't come out until january right uh, but that pressure doesn't really help with our sexual interactions. So how can your partner make requests uh, or state their desires without it feeling pressuring to you? And then number two, 
thinking outside of the sexual dirty talk box. And I think honestly, one of my number one tips is to just speak to exactly what's happening. And I gave a couple examples earlier of Shh, you're talking too much, but you could make it into like a, Shh. I like just when you, Shh, I was like, wait, did I just say something? Yeah. I, I went into myself. Like I didn't even know I said something. I was like, Shh, okay. Yeah. Less talk, more action, more action. Yeah. And speaking to your needs there, or also just wherever the hands are speaking to what that is, you know, like your hands are on my breasts, my te- my nipples are tingling, just speaking almost as if you're like doing, it's not ad libs, but you're doing some sort of narration. You're reading a story, right? but it's to what's happening in your body and you're a heady person. So are April and I, and like we can totally identify with this, but if you're speaking to just what's happening in your body in that moment, and you could either change the voice or not just be you, it's sexy talk. What, two things I want to add. I love that descript version of, of talking about what is happening. Also, two things that I, I was that came up for me. Number one, you could play an erotic dipsy. You could play an erotic story in the background and and almost drop into what's happening in the story. You both could find one together that you enjoy and put that on. So that can take some of the dirty talk away. But the second piece that I wanted to talk about is the person asking the question said that their husband wants them to make noises during sex Mm. and, and they have trouble expressing themselves. So my thought was for me, I actually struggle with the dirty talk. So I make a lot of noises. I've dropped into closing my eyes, experiencing what is happening to me, with me, for me, and really dropped in and have dropped in just last night it was awesome because there was a, an oral situation that was awesome going down kind of lingus on me and Mouth I was like, yeah yeah and just a simple audible fun noises that you can make like oh that feels good only or, if it feels good though if it feels good <laughs> right i don't pretend yeah uh so just noises are really hot and using the O face that, Oh, that's good. Cause you're talking about fe- speaking of feelings. So it doesn't have right. to be like sensations, like your hands on my nipples and my nipples jing- tingling. It could also be, this feels really good. This feels amazing. Or, but the thing is, so what, you know, if it doesn't feel good, that's not something that you're gonna be like, this feels really good. You know, that's an opportunity to ask for something different, which you can make sexy. Hey, so I know I see your hands on my clit and well, I love your hand on my pussy. I would also love if you would just like grab it and hug it less like one finger and just like the whole hand, just yeah. hold it, grab it, squeeze it. That's hot. God, yeah. You got me. Yeah. I th- <laughs> and that could be a good starting point though, before you're getting into the descriptions of what's happening, you could start with just making fun noises that feel good to you. Whether yeah. it's maybe it's you're sounding like a woo, like you're a a woo person. Uh, that woo woo woo. Yes, like me. You, you do that well. Not uh, during sex. Not during <laughs> sex. Or you could be like, oh yeah, yes. Oh oh god. Uh, uh, remember Harry when Harry met Sally? Yeah. When she did her, her fake, fake orgasm. orgasm. <laughs> Um, you could start with just that, something that simplistic. And from there, you could take that into a lot of different 
realms. One thing that came to mind when you were saying that was also mirror work and masturbating or self-pleasuring in front of a mirror oh, yeah. and, and seeing what feels authentic and what you can say to yourself, which I've, I have not tried this. So this just came to me just now, but uh, see what feels authentic in the ways that you can actually express your pleasure alone and what feels true to you and what feels performative. And then whatever feels true to you, then you would bring out and incorporate into your play with others or your partner, I guess, to this person, um, your husband, I think you said, but getting more, you know, research and development on your own, more, more studies to see what really works for you and feels not like a performance, not ridiculous, like not in inauthentic, right? Like really genuine and then bring that in. But you don't want to be in your head too. It's like a weird balance of not f- like faking things, but also being genuine. Well, so, that's why I think yeah. the, the uh, be, silent sex, at least for me, is really difficult. Me too. Even, can, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. No, what's going on? Right. So <laughs> even some heavy breathing could help. And yeah. breath is something that you want to do like. <sighs> you could just breathe. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> but you don't have to say yes. You don't even have like, to say yes. You could say merci. <sighs> S'il vous plaît. I mean that breath that breath in itself, the like long exhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth of like a throaty uh, is right. actually helps your orgasms in general. Exactly. And the the last thing I'll personally say, if you have one other thing you want to add or a couple, whatever you can you do you, but just the way that we show up in sex now and the sounds we make and the way we touch ourselves or our, or enjoy being pleasured often has to do with our masturbation practices. And if you were someone who couldn't be loud and start baiting when you were 13 or 14 or whenever you started pleasuring yourself or maybe you're 18 you had housemates or dorm mates or whatever and you decided that you needed to be quiet to have sex for safety purposes this sticks with you but you could unstick this because you're obviously concerned about this or want to change it and so it doesn't have to stay with you but it makes sense that it's here it's probably an old program and you can change it by just having new experiences i'll add one more piece and hell yes to what you said amy Even the facial expressions that you have while you're self-pleasuring can be a gateway or uh, the avenue to you being more vocal and just having, when I masturbate, I am not noisy. I am very quiet uh, because I've trained myself over the years Uh, since I've been masturbating since I was a little girl, since I was five or six years old. I have learned to be quiet, which is kind of what you're talking about with yeah. the fast and hard. A lot of penis yeah. owners are fast and hard and because... And then the yeah. orgasm like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've trained myself to start doing faces. This is years ago. And that has evolved into more... Uh, more noises, more sounds that come uh, out and that can help. And again, authentic faces, like don't faces, don't like do oh, an no. O face when you're like not having orgasm or you're not feeling pleasure. It's hard to fake it when you're... Self pleasuring. Well, it happens. Like, a lot. I feel oh, like yeah, it happens April, a lot more with so sounds. Great. Yeah. And the other way you can do it, like with with what you said, is also movements of your body. Like, it doesn't have to be vocal. I can like you know grab my partner's ass to show them how turned on I right. am. Scratch their back if they like it. Yeah. Like gently. Yeah. Or um, these are all these are all language. They're all form right. of language. It's body language. Right. Gentle bite yeah. or uh, like a hip thrust or like a punch or, in the face. I Just can't kidding. Wait Only for your cock to be inside of me. Those are words now. Right. But that's a helpful one. I swear I just felt a mini earthquake while we were... We had one earlier. We had one earlier. And and I swear I just felt another one. I didn't know if you were moving, but I wonder if that's affecting any of the audio. Well, I, yeah, I just heard a little it's like a alien crackle. sound in here. So, well, let's finish this up. Let's wrap it up. Hopefully we... It's going to cuckolding. Yes. Yeah, so let's do a bio. Ready? Yeah. 
David Lay is a clinical psychologist, sex therapist, and author based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He's the author of several books and research articles on sexuality, including his first book, Insatiable Wives, Women Who Stray and the Men Who Love Them, which was the first book to examine the cuckolding and hot wife phenomenon. With Dr. Justin Lay Miller and Dan Savage, he published the first psychological study of the cuckold fantasy. Dr. Lay is a frequent guest in media around the world with appearances in the New York Times, CNN, and Time Magazine, as well as Hustler and Playboy magazines. To learn more, visit David Lay PhD. I'm going to spell that for you. David, L-E-Y, P-H-D dot com. All right, everyone, it is interview time. And well, I say this, I'm so excited about pretty much every episode. And I was telling April earlier today, I'm extra excited about this one mm. because it is about cuckolding, hot wifing, or the hot wife phenomenon, uh, and male chastity. And apparently, there's a thing called October that I just learned about. And it's the end and of October. Why did we know about this? Well, earlier? now it's November 1st. This is coming out. So it's right. actually, yeah, October's over, but we can lock November. No, we cannot. It's mobile. <laughs> it's already taken. Damn it. Okay. Different thing. Prostates. Yeah. Sorry. Wrong one. Okay. So we're here with a very uh, wonderful new guest. And this is a reference, but I think we said this in the intro from a listener. Uh, this is Dr. David Lay. And yes, the name actually fits the human. <laughs> so uh, before we dive in, I know you all heard a little bit about Dr. David Lay in our intro. Uh, Dr. David Lay, can you please tell our listeners a little bit about how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality? Well, come on. I mean, with the last name Lay, what choice did I have? (laughs) I mean, I really debated it. You know, did I want to be a sex doctor or a politician involved in a sex scandal? You know, um, uh, but ultimately, I didn't think I could take on Anthony Weiner. I mean, he just holds (laughs) the title, right, for the most appropriately named sex scandal politician. Yeah, I um, uh, it's funny. I mean, obviously, the last name sounds like Lay, but it's spelled L-E-Y. Um, but I I actually started working. Um, I'm a traditionally trained clinical psychologist. Uh, I still um, uh, practice in traditional mental health, um, managed care, all, all that jazz, community mental health. But many years ago, um, I started working with sex offenders, in fact, and working with people who had committed sexual crimes and violated consent. Um, and uh, one of the things that that happened was that people started referring cases to me that were just slightly outside the box sexuality and um, but they didn't involve abuse or, or crime but it led me to realize that one of the, uh, something most people don't understand which is that most psychotherapists most mental health therapists in our country have almost no training in sexuality um roughly 90 percent of therapists get almost no training in sexuality Isn't and it 10 hours or something it's like yeah fucking- yeah, it, it, it's horrific. And, and and the fact is, I mean, people who have more sex live longer and have healthier relationships. So they should be getting much better training on sexuality. The fact that they're not is uh, is 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 really a, a travesty and um, and frankly puts people at risk in terms of um, getting good uh, getting good care. 
And the reason that that's a huge problem is that uh, people who have more sex live longer and have healthier relationships. That, uh, you know, sexuality is intrinsically related to people's uh, relationship satisfaction and uh, even their satisfaction in life. We should be talking about sexuality, but unfortunately, most therapists work work under the model of, um, you know, if it's something that they would do, then it's okay. Kinsey used to say the definition of a nymphomaniac or a sex addict in today's world is anybody who has more sex than therapist. So oh, if, if you're yeah, if you're getting laid more than your therapist, or if you like kinky sex that your therapist doesn't like, there's something wrong with you, not the therapist. And that's that's the kind of bias and judgment that I've spent my entire career pushing against because it's really based on ignorance and it's based on on intrusion of morality into clinical practice. So um, that's where I am now. I mean, I, as I said, I started working with offenders, but several years ago, I started writing about, you know, sexuality. Um, my first book, Insatiable Wives, about cuckolding and and hot wifing, and it really launched me into this current kind of phase of my career, where I get to talk with lovely folks like you and educate the public about the way we can remove some of the morality and bias and religious judgment from sexuality in order to help people. The more we can remove shame, the the healthier people can actually be, the better decisions they can make when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. We've had other doctors uh, that specialize in similar practices on the show, but usually it's a, from a female perspective. So I think having this perspective from you, Dr. Lay, is really great. So thank you. And and we, we're going to get into the interview now. So let's talk about cuckolding. What is it and why are people into it? So, you know, you know I, I fell into writing about cuckolding. It wasn't it, I didn't intend to, but I encountered these two couples who lived the cuckold lifestyle. They This is where the wife was having um, sex with other men with the husband's enthusiastic permission and so and. My initial reactions about 15 years ago, my initial reaction was, that's fucking crazy. That can't be healthy. But the wild thing and the lucky thing was that both of these couples were remarkably healthy. They'd been married for decades. They had, you know, incredible communication skills. And by every benchmark, they were really, really healthy people. And I realized that my assumption, my negative judgment had come out of bias around female sexuality, promiscuity, non-monogamy. And so I decided to take a look at it. Now, at the time, there was nothing written uh, about cuckolding um, in, in the in the academic literature. So I dove into it. I spent a year, year and a half reading whatever I could about female sexuality, monogamy, um, uh, evolutionary psychology, et cetera, which some of my training had been in. But and then I interviewed people all over the world about engaging um, in cuckolding. Now, I ended up calling it um, at a very generic level kind of wife sharing um, because there's different flavors. Cuckolding uh, is a term that typically involves the male, the husband taking a more passive kind of role, submissive role oftentimes. Sometimes there's humiliation kind of stuff that plays into it. It's it's a little bit more like BDSM. Hot wifing uh, is a bit more like swinging. Oftentimes in hot wifing, the husband is participating in sex with the wife, but he's sharing his wife with other men. The really interesting thing is that it it flips on its head a you know millennia long history of men 
protecting their wives' sexuality like property and, you know, killing other men for looking at their wife or, you know, even, you know, you know, beating or, or being violent towards the wife if she engages in infidelity. Instead, these guys are, are taking it and getting excited by it. And it's really, really fascinating the way that the way that that has happened. And it has just exploded into public consciousness over the past 10 or 15 years. Partially because of the internet, partially I think because of feminism, um, partially because of recognition of you know the the ways that non-monogamy can be implemented in in kind of healthy ways. But it's it's getting all kinds of attention, and I had no idea when I sat down, uh, you know, to write that book that the way that it was going to influence my career and, and sort of my public presence on all these issues. Hmm. Okay, so just to clarify, so hot wifing versus cuckolding. So you're saying the difference here would be that cuckolding is something that might involve humiliation, but doesn't always involve humiliation, and doesn't necessarily involve the uh, penis owning partner or the you know the man being present for his partner or wife you generally involve the owner um, for their experience uh, being being there but then hot wifing is generally for their own desires and they're witnessing or a part of it yeah in hot wifing oftentimes the you know the husband is is participating you know okay. is you know maybe, maybe a threesome with the wife and another man um however i mean we have to be clear that you know humans love to label and name things and then argue about whether the other people are doing it right yeah they um, love that yeah. yeah my god so uh so these terms you know they apply somewhat um they, they give us some benchmark into what it is that people are kind of framing uh, how the you know the things that they're identifying or prioritizing in their in the way their relationship works one of the things we're hearing about more more recently is now an offshoot called a, a stag vixen that's kind of oh. like hot wifing again it's the the husband really kind of celebrating the oh. the wife's um sexuality and sexual capacity but not taking this kind of beta submissive sort of role and when i hear people saying that what i'm hearing is that it's a guy who look don't call me a cuck don't don't act like i'm some weakling um because i'm really powerful and it's from a powerful place of masculine masculinity that I'm that I'm sharing my wife. We're also hearing about female-led relationships now and or FLR. And that's where the the female is very explicitly taking a uh, dominant uh, role towards a submissive male. Sometimes that involves cuckolding. Sometimes it involves chastity play, um, but not always. I think the the really interesting thing though is that across all of this and across you know the the decade or so that I've been monitoring and 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 working with these issues is that we're seeing females now step into more ownership in this. Um, when I first started writing about the cuckolding and hot wifing kind of lifestyle, it almost always was introduced by the husband or the boyfriend. The husband or boyfriend came to their partner. And said, you know, um, uh, I'm really turned on by this. Could we do it? And oftentimes the wife or girlfriend would be like, you know, what do you think I'm a slut? Or are, are, are you setting me up? Are you going to, you know, have me cheat on you and then leave? 
and and that really came out of you know thousands of years of of suppression of female sexuality and and slut shaming mm-hmm. but now we're seeing women really embracing this whole lifestyle taking it over um on twitter especially you know female cuckoldresses they call themselves mm-hmm are out there celebrating this and you know there's a group that call themselves slut sisters that they're all these hot wife and cuckold dresses and they're just out there really embracing their female sexuality with the enthusiastic support of their partner it's really really very cool to see I wonder if the digital age and the level of accessibility now with having so many outlets, social media, different avenues to find people that will uh, embrace some of these, because uh, I, I don't, I don't consider this a fetish, but consider considering like that it is more normalized now because you know that there's this other group of people that are into what you're into as well. And I think that maybe uh, has an effect. Uh, That's not my question. That's just a, that's just an observation. What do you think about that? I think you're right, April. I mean, I think that you know. I, lo- you I live, love hearing that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're Love language. Did. Have you been doing your, your yeah. research? Yeah. Did, did that give you a little thrill? Yeah, um, actually yeah. did. Thank her, you. Her fetish is uh, you tell her that she's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, you nailed it. You're, you're right, April. You're yeah. so God. You're so insightful. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah. the, uh, when we lived in villages of a couple of hundred people, in fact, um, in the 1500s, you know, when uh, women engaged in cuckolding of their partner, they would nail horns onto the uh, front door of the husband's house as a way to say, hey, your wife's cheating on you. They would drive the husband out um, in shame. They would oftentimes, um, you know, banish or sometimes even murder the wife. And so, uh, you know, being exposed, um, engaging in female uh, infidelity was, uh, you know, was potentially life threatening. But now you're right, April. Now, now those women can find other women that are doing the same thing. They can find men that are interested in this. A friend of mine <clears throat> named Venus Cuckoldress, she runs now a cuckold matchmaking. She's uh, been on our show. show. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I love yeah. her. Gosh, yeah. she's brilliant. And one of the cool things about Venus is that she just recently, um, you know, kind of came out. Um, uh, always before in interviews online, she was, you know, she would veil her face. Yeah. And now she's out showing who she was. And, and I think that it's just so beautiful because it shows the level of self-acceptance, the rejection of shame, um, and the and and the way in which this is becoming a part of her sexual integrity and her identity. Um, that's really cool. So that brings me to my my question. And thank you for honoring my observation and making me feel so smart. Sometimes that's the best way to open a girl's heart. Okay. And <laughs> uh, my heart. Yes. yes. Just the heart. <laughs> Just the heart. You know what? We'll get to we'll get it's to the other being. bits it's later. Yes, yes. It's all part of it. So we love stats. And statistically speaking, what is the current research on cuckolding? You know, so it's really 
It's really in its infancy. Um, you know, Justin Lay Miller, who you guys mentioned, he's an absolutely dear friend of mine, a brilliant researcher. His interviews and and research data suggests that around forty five percent of men uh, will report a sexual fantasy of watching um, their female partner with other men. Maybe around fifty five percent of women will report a fantasy of being watched by their partner as they are with other people. So there's a, a, a pretty high level of people engaging in this fantasy, engaging it in real life. However, we just don't know. Um, you know, what? Uh, there's a tremendous amount of uh, social context in this, in that, you know, engaging in this lifestyle in a, you know, if you're living in San Francisco is very different than being willing to engage in it if you're living in Alabama. However, the interesting part is that particularly men that live in more socially conservative, traditionally masculine, macho kind of areas are more likely to be interested in this because it becomes this secret fantasy that is taboo. Um, you know, it's not by accident that searches for cuckold porn and cuckold fantasy are more prevalent in more traditionally macho, socially conservative kinds of areas. Um, We're talking and- like Texas? Or <laughs> talking talking like Texas, talking like Italy. Oh, uh, okay. So we're talking global. globally. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I wanted globally. to get to. Oh, um, the nuts and bolts. Yeah, the nuts had, and shafts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had sex worker friends um, tell me that uh, you know cuckolding is incredibly popular in Russia, but is very very much underground. So it. What I equate it to is it's kind of like BDSM sort of fantasy where, you know, being submissive can be an escape, a momentary escape from the burden of maintaining your personal identity, right, and being in charge all the time. Cuckolding and a cuckold fantasy uh, is uh, appears to have some similarities because it is a, a way for a guy to kind of give up this fantasy of being Clint Eastwood or John Wayne being the real man all the time mm-hmm. and to sit back. I mean, you know, uh, we, we all got a kick out of Jerry Falwell Jr. And, you know, this this documentary is now released about, you know, his relationship. And now Granda, the pool boy that um, was involved, has released his uh, biography. And I don't know about this. What do you? You, okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So about, yeah. Jerry Falwell. Jerry I live Fal- under a rock, apparently. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Jerry Falwell Jr., um, son of Jerry Falwell, the famous preacher, uh, a couple of years ago got exposed that he uh, and his wife had a cuckold hot wife relationship with a pool boy named Granda that they had picked up and had a long-term relationship with that Falwell Jr. liked to sit in a chair next to the bed and watch and film his wife having sex with with, with the pool boy. And the really interesting thing is that this, uh, this information was apparently involved in Jerry Falwell Jr. endorsing Trump for president and that uh by the pussy but also um, yeah right right (laughs) that there was um that this information was used as kind of blackmail apparently on uh jerry falwell jr in order to get him to endorse trump and so you know the cuckolding and republicanism you know kind of go together uh interestingly roger stone uh, advisor to Trump and uh, Paul Manafort, um, who was uh, Trump's election kind of, uh, I think, uh, leader, 
both of them have histories allegedly of engaging in watching their wives with other men. Um, and so there, there's something about this pressure to kind of be a real man in the conservative kind of uh, social world that makes this fantasy really exciting because it's naughty. Mm-hmm. And the more naughty you make it, the more exciting it becomes. Um, when we, Justin, Justin, Dan Savage and I, a couple of years ago, published a research study looking at cuckolding. Now, it was actually cuckolding in gay men, but there were a bunch of bisexual men in it. And, um, and so we were able to do some generalizations. And it was fascinating because CNN covered this story. And part of the headline was some of our data, which found that for healthy couples, engaging in cuckolding uh, behaviors or fantasies appeared to be pretty healthy. CNN covered that and said, hey, engaging in this fantasy appears not to be an un- unhealthy thing. Um, Fox News lost their minds. <laughs> and, and yeah, Tucker Carlson out there going, you know, you know, CNN is saying that, you know, men should allow their wives to cuckold them and stuff. And and it was just because those guys are all, you know, the Republicans are also out there calling each other cuck if they are not true enough to are they the use that as an insult? ideals. They absolutely Cucks. use it as an insult because it means you're a weak man. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That's... Not anymore. Yeah. It's like now when someone says you're a slut, you're like, yeah. Yeah, I am. And I have, I've embraced my sexuality yeah. and I have really hot sex. And that makes perfect sense why someone, and you know, as, as, as I'll speak for myself, and this is a little different than being, you know, uh, someone in the cuckolding world, but, um, you know, someone who is kind of like a, um, a, a doer, a leader, control freak, uh, heady person. I love being a sub in the bedroom. And, and it's, it just, it really complements my life and feels really deeply healing. And I think it has to do with like, like some childhood wounding and daddy issues, all kinds of things. It would make sense why someone would choose to do or not, not do, but um, cuckolding would be a part of their lifestyle because it feels innately or in, or in their hearts or in their, their minds or whatever they're being really good and freeing um and like they can really let go and surrender into this experience so that's so that's cuckolding on hot wifing because you explain kind of more, more like why people are into it for cuckolding why would people be into hot wifing and what's the research on those stats uh, much, well, uh, again, we don't have a lot of data about kind of the nuance, um, of these different kind of definitions or, or frames. Um, the, the best way I've heard it said, uh, by one guy was he said, my wife can have a hundred times more orgasms than I can. And it, her being sexually excited and fulfilled turns me on like crazy. So sharing her with other men lets me see her fulfilled in a way that I can't do by myself. And that gives me tremendous joy. Mm. That, I think, is really getting at some of the root of 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 hot wifing i mean the the world record for male orgasms in a 24-hour period is somewhere between 25 and 30 something like that but in contrast um the world record for female orgasms is around 65 in an hour Damn. So, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Not so, sorry. Really, when we talk about you know sexual capacity, we're comparing you know a moped to a Ferrari. 
Yeah. No and, wonder they wanted to control our sexuality. It makes sense. Yeah. We're so powerful. <laughs> well, and 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 so couples that are exploring this, I think, and that can get past some of that stereotypical, you know, heteronormative masculine possessiveness. They start exploring some of these bounds of the female sexual capacity, and the guy gets 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 pulled along and finds it really exciting. Now, there's also some really cool um, kind of ideas maybe here around some of the evolutionary psychology of it that when the the husband or the male you know sees his female partner with other with other men a part of his body wants to compete and you know uh sperm competition kind of theory comes into this with from evolutionary psychology i don't think it's as significant as we maybe thought a few years ago but but this becomes a way to really supercharge sexual excitement and these couples take jealousy and they really kind of Trend, transform it into sexual energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like this. I like, I like channeling sexual energy in all the ways. So, yeah. What? Moving on to another question. Thank you for that insight as well. I uh, appreciate you. Uh, so, shameless sex. Amy and I, when we speak to porn, we talk about it as a, it's an aggregate for entertainment, right? So it's some sort of, cha- but not for education. So, but in terms of cuckolding and hot wifing and porn how does that shape or fit into our current understanding of these two pieces the cuckolding and the hot wifing because those are categories on a lot of the mainstream porn hubs. like porn hub for <laughs> porn hubs for life <laughs> but th- th- hence the reason they great. bought that url fuckers good job good thinking so uh there is my question how does porn shape and fit into the current understanding of cuckolding and hot wifing or misshape it. Sorry. Yeah. So no. I mean, you're you're not wrong. I mean, the uh, oh, that's not as good as being right, though. Damn it. <laughs> I, I I apologize. Almost but, perfectly know, right. Again, again. You know, the the level of insight and poise that you bring to this conversation is oh, it's just extraordinary. Oh my god. Um, just love like you. you guys know each other. The, so uh, uh, yeah, I threw that word poison. That's got a nice sound. That was a really nice. nice yeah. I really loved that. Um, and, and then kind of sounds like poison, poison, yeah. TV, you know, that's all exciting too. Um, so, uh, uh, again, over about the past 10 years, cuckold porn has become incredibly popular. It's one of the consistently in the top 10 sort of, uh, search for and downloaded porn. Um, and, uh, lots of the folks that are in this, you know, kind of cult, uh, lifestyle will share, will, will tell you that porn was maybe something that drew them in and maybe led them to start exploring some of these fantasies. But as with all things, porn is fantasy. It doesn't show real world. And so a lot of the folks that get into this lifestyle will say that, uh, you know, the, the porn leaves a lot out, right? Things like negotiation, management, connection. The lube, the lube, come the lube, on. My God. Um, Preparation with anal yeah. play. Like you go guess. on and on and on. And on. Oh my now, one really interesting kind of unique conversation I had was with a guy who, an African-American guy who uh, runs a podcast called Keys and Anklets, Michael, and he taught, and he's a, he's a bull, and uh, which is what some of these folks refer to uh, the men that are brought in to have sex with the wife. Sometimes the, the men are black, sometimes not. 
Michael's black. But Michael talked about the fact that some of these husbands, they call, quote, porn directors. And it is the husband who has this fantasy of what he wants to see happen with his wife. And then he starts micromanaging and directing the guy, telling him, you know, how to have sex with the wife while the husband watches. So it's very, it's very much about fantasy fulfillment for the husband. The husband wants the porn star wife. You know, this is an exact, this, this is this is the Madonna horror complex, you know, taken to a whole nother level. And again, what's interesting, Michael shared with me was that as couples start, it, it it is about the husband getting his fantasy fulfilled and him getting to sit and watch and see in real life what has been in his head. And then it tra- starts to transform and be now directed by the wife and her trying to find and explore a fulfillment of her desires without necessarily being secondary to the husband's. Interesting. And so this is, so this is, this is, again, we're talking about cuckolding and not hot wifing or are we we talking again? Well, sort of, (laughs) you know, I, I think when we, when we hear those distinctions, it really is kind of coming back to is the male um, seeking out and comfortable with a secondary role or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I heard they were micromanaging that you said too. So they're like, they're, they're open to it, but now they're like, I'm going to control everything. Exactly. So, so if you know the BDSM world, that's a, that, 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 that's topping from the bottom. Uh Yeah. Which isn't always um, helpful in all the situations. And if you're talking about someone who's interested in this because they want to surrender control or it's, it's feeding some deeper, um, a, you know, need or desire inside of them that is somehow, you know, healing or really hot or sexy, then that's one thing. But then we're talking about like, I'm doing it so that I can like control everything and like just fulfill my needs. Uh, I mean, uh, no judgment against what people are doing, but I guess, you know, if there's one or more people, we have to consider other people's needs beyond ourselves. It's just an important piece. Absolutely. And, you know, to be a therapist for a minute, you know, and I work as a psychologist with, you know, folks exploring alternative sexuality, consensual non-monogamy, et cetera. To make this work, to make this successful, it has to be a two-way street. There has to be a lot of collaboration and coordination, negotiation, communication. has to be a win-win scenario. And and I see men that, you know, desperately want to see their wives with other men, and the wife is just not into it. And the guy sometimes can become obsessive and controlling and demanding. And brother, that ain't healthy. It's not it's, it's not healthy in any way, shape or form in any relationship. It's so, like coercion. The, exactly. Coercion and, and even deception in some cases. And, and that's just not healthy. But it's the person that's health that, that's not being healthy. It's not the fantasy. Mm-hmm. So the 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 job always is for people to figure out what are the skills, the personal skills, the relationship skills that they need to be able to make them and their relationship successful as they explore um, these new frontiers. Time for a quick break to talk about our hands down favorite lube, who also happens to be a sponsor, Uberlube. Uberlube is luxurious silicone lubricant that enhances intimacy and I actually want it all over my body y'all I'm not joking it's long lasting and it leaves my skin feeling really velvety almost silky and has no flavor or scent in April I've heard you say this great for oral sex that's right Mm mm-hmm 
And they happen to have thousands of doctors and therapists in the U.S. alone recommending Uberlube to their patients for various reasons, including it feels amazing on the skin, it's highly body-friendly, it's less likely to change the pH, and that vitamin E leaves the skin feeling nice and moisturized. Uberlube is not just for sex. It's for massage, you can use it for your hair frizzies, for buffing up your tattoos, and it even prevents chafing. It comes in this gorgeous glass bottle that I love, so the aesthetics are beautiful, it has this easy pump top. You're going to love it. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it shamelessly on your nightstand. Just go to uberlube.com and use discount code SHAMELESS to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by omgs.com. I've been recommending omgs to my clients for years now, and it's completely changed their lives, including that of my own. Omgs utilizes scientific research of real vulvas showing techniques to pleasure the pussy. And then they turn the research into tasteful, educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. And here's the thing. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Hey, vulva owners, want to transform your own orgasms from good to out of this world? Or vulva admirers, want to up your pussy pleasure skills? Well, you gotta check OMGS out now. OMGS studied more than 20,000 people of all ages from 18 to 95. There are three seasons, this is not a subscription service, and you don't need to download anything. There's external pleasure, internal pleasure, and a season all about sex toys. Your purchase helps fund more research, and it's an incredible gift. Go to omgs.com slash shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com slash shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. This is so interesting. I have a question about male chastity in a second, but I'm really curious about so this idea of the unicorn. But you have so you have the the cuckoldress, um, which is uh, Venus's name. Venus, we love you. Um, but I don't know if that's what you would actually refer. If that was just Venus's name, Venus the cuckoldress, or that's what uh, the the cuckold. And then you have the cuck. Okay, cuckoldress and the cuck. So who's the third person? The other dude there. The bull? Is that the bull? the bull? That is, you know, sometimes, oftentimes called called the bull. And okay. There's some there's some controversy as to whether that is some level of racism because oftentimes these uh, are african-american men um, and so then we're hearkening back to kind of 1800 slave days there's some complex elements in this and uh we can go down a we can go down a, a complicated rabbit hole around this but in general, those guys are going to be called, you know, bulls. Uh, again, what's interesting? So they're not a unicorn. They're a bull. They're not, yeah. Maybe yeah, they're not a be unicorn. Called a unicorn instead. <laughs> yeah. I change it now. I don't like that. There's the the nuance of races, and that sucks. No. Yeah, but but to change it. But ra- our our society has these racist elements embedded in it, and mm-hmm. though the energy and the taboo of that is what drives some of the excitement of interracial porn, interracial sex. The If our society didn't have racism and racist struggles in our psychology, that kind of porn and that kind of fantasy wouldn't be arousing. But a unicorn's so much more exciting than a bull. <laughs> to you, to I, you. Well, I'm just saying... <laughs> It's, you like rainbows. Some other people don't. But so. a, a bull has two horns and a unicorn only has one. 
So maybe uh, two horns is more exciting than one. I turned into a child. I want to be calling unicorn. I want a unicorn. (laughs) Well, okay, yeah, I understand that. And I, well, I never knew this that there was another term there, and and it's what what I wanted to bring that to, which is, I I love April, and I love April's unicorn thing, and yes, I love unicorns too. April, I put my little ponies all day, every day. Um, And what I wanted to say too is like that that piece, just ponies. They weren't unicorns. I had one that was unicorn. Well, then you're special. (laughs) So (laughs) my mom couldn't afford that one. Oh, sure. Mine's probably still in my attic. Uh, anyways, so I was going to say that was that piece you're talking about where it takes two to, to tango. Also, the third party, the unicorn or the bull or whoever we're playing with, whether the terminology is hurtful or not, just speaking to that the person's being a human, um, treating them like a human, you know, not like, you know, someone's micromanaging, like, you're just here to fuck my wife and make me happy. Like, you're a person and your needs and your desires matter. Does this happen a lot in, in, in cuckolding world where... I imagine I mean, it happens in threesome world and swinger world often where people feel neglected and left behind. Um, yeah, absolutely. This- and, and those guys, um, it, it, to April's point, I mean, the, the racism, we don't like that it's in there, but what's, what's interesting is that some of that taboo and excitement might start with sharing your, your, your white wife with a black man. And then as you develop a relationship with that man and he becomes a friend and a real person, some of my, some, some of my racism as a husband starts to go away, right? Because I now start to engage. So I honestly think this is part of overcoming uh, racism is now starting to see those folks as, as real people. A lot of couples though do share that it can be difficult to find a guy that you trust enough to do this uh, again in evolutionary, you know, psych research, um, mate poaching um, and people that engage in mate poaching, you know, having sex with somebody who's married to somebody else, tend to be psychopathic, tend to be not very trustworthy people, and so a lot of couples have shared that finding a guy that they can trust enough to have sex with the wife, who is willing to have sex with the wife, can be challenging. And so there is a lot of complexity, again, just in navigating all of this. Is the mate poaching thing that has to be U.S. driven? Because a mate, when you're in Australia and England, for instance, is like your friend, your homie. So I'd be like, you poaching my mate? Like, what's up? So that would be confusing. So I'm assuming that's a U.S.-based term, terminology. Yeah, coming out of uh, evolutionary psychology research. Yeah, yeah, you can't poach my mate. She's Amy, right? Yeah, yeah, and and poach maybe maybe we won't poach her. Maybe we'll hard boil. Oh, also over yeah. easy, yeah. over easy. Oh, I'm a scrambled. I'm a scrambled. A- Amy, Amy, are you over easy? <laughs> I'm. Is over that what April easy. just shared? Oh, okay, I'm I'm scrambled in the head, but over easy down here. Okay. <laughs> All right, we have a sex question though. All right. Anyway, so sex question from a listener that we're going to male chastity now. Um, different, same, same, but different. Uh, okay. So this is from an actual listener that wrote in and I kind of narrowed it down a little bit. So dear listener, thank you for writing to us. So listener says, can you share more on male chastity? We, meaning this person and their partner, um, he and his partner, we are in a female led relationship and discovered male chastity a little over three years ago. This is our third October. Sorry, we missed October and have never really talked to or heard other people talk about this lifestyle before. So can you share a little bit about male chastity? I mean, it's a broad thing, but like what, can you just describe what it is? Yeah, so, I, you know, I mentioned this a moment ago when I talked about female-led relationships and and the male chastity is, is really an offshoot of this where 
the um, couples, and this is happening in gay couples as well, um, where uh, the couple puts a, a chastity device. Now, what's wild is these look exactly like the anti-masturbation devices that uh, Kellogg Maybe. created, yeah. Kellogg creator of Kellogg's cornflakes back in the late 1800s, created these devices, cages that went around genitalia to prevent them masturbating or touching themselves. Did they used to have like little spikies yeah. on them though? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Some, some, some of them did, um, you know, horrific kind of torture looking devices, but you got to love humans because they looked, some, some people looked at this and said, whoa, that looks fucking hot. Right? <laughs> and so, um, so Kellogg did all the research. Why change something that worked back in the day? I mean, really, and, and make it hot. Yeah, and so you know the, the partner, the partner is put into chastity in this device, and uh, you know his his penis uh, and his sexual pleasure belongs to his partner, and um, he can't self stimulate without their permission. Um, now there was there was a, a, a kind of funny, amusing scandal uh, last year where uh, guys were putting themselves in these things, and they were Bluetooth enabled, and a, a an online dominant at a distance that they had a remote relationship with was able to control it and unlock it or lock it remotely, right? And then the that 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 company got hacked, and so all of a sudden the hackers had control of his penis. Oh my god! Not her. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Oh my what god. happened? Sorry, Kellogg. Yeah. What, yeah I mean, what right. what happened to that dick? Was it like? Uh, I think the guys got out crowbars and had to free themselves. Um, oh my gosh! The uh, which is an important safety point that um, you know these uh, it, it is really important as uh, couples or men explore male chastity in these devices that you make sure you get a device that fits well and is well designed because if you're using a cheap one if you're using one that is too tight you can cause damage you can create illness from a bad metal you can um, you can harm your testicles or your genitalia so it's really, really important to do this carefully um, and to try it out slowly. The ones that I've seen, I've seen only I, I learned about male chastity devices specifically because of my career in the sex toy industry, the pleasure products industry and trade shows. And there were dudes walking around with these things. And I was like, what the, what the fuck are those things? And they were plastic, like a hard plastic. So they weren't metal. So I don't know if, if the listeners That's are like experiencing, C What's that brand? CD I don't remember. Something? I was trying to, I was jogging my, my brain for it, but I don't remember the name, but you could see their cock. And I was like, so talking, talking to the, to the dude uh, that was wearing it and, 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 and modeling it at the show and trying to get more information it didn't have barbs this one but you could see his cock and it was it was it to me i thought it was it, it was looked squished it, no it fit nicely it looked okay. nicely it had like a nice curvature to help uh fit and uh i i like to your point talking about fit for these devices but there are there are male chastity devices out there that exist that do not look like they're medieval um and they won't um they won't uh cut you if you get an erection um i'm sure it would hurt but that being said uh if that is something you're trying to explore to this sex question um asker and to anyone that is interested in learning more about these chastity devices there are a lot of um options out there you probably can find one on amazon just kidding i don't know do you have any on pure pure pleasure i'm trying to look pleasure? right now because i've seen this brand before and it well was... we can f find out afterward and we'll let folks know yeah um but thank you for that insight um so dr you're, so you're saying that though if you're going to do this 
have an extra key. Oh yeah. Make sure it's not too tight. Make sure it's not it's Bluetooth a good fit. in case it gets hacked in by anyone. Hacked. And thank you, Kellogg. Or maybe not. Thank you. And then just real quick, just the note of like why someone would be into the chastity piece oh, right. is is it similar to this? I mean, hot wife and cuckolding are different. So what is what is the the underlying feeling? We definitely see this much more related to a BDSM kind of submissive kind of uh, dynamic. And, you know, and it's about, it's about giving up control. It's about giving up, um, you know, some sexual autonomy to your partner's control. Um, And I've definitely heard some men talk about that it, it almost gives them a sense. This will sound weird. It gives them a sense of freedom from their dick being in charge that now their female partner is in charge and whether their penis gets involved or not, ain't up to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some, some, some couples I've heard talk about that, the, the, the change in that power dynamic, um, can have some really interesting, healthy, uh, kind of, uh, outcomes. We just looked it up on online at Pure Pleasure's website, Good and job. so it's Jamie, yeah, ja- I'm I'm Jamie over here. But there's some, some some photos which, if you're looking at, so this is on YouTube. Yes. So here's one which looks like this crazy check metal, out YouTube metal cage. Sex. But then we also have the the you know the clear one. So the it's brand is CB six thousand, and then there's the CB three thousand, and the curve. The curve. Oh, the curve CBX with the C is the brand. Oh, CBX. Those, those, yeah, this is the clear one. The, yeah, yeah. the market for this has just exploded, and there's lots of folks making custom ones now. Yeah, right. Because it, they're, yeah, you're like, how do you know if your cock's gonna fit in there? They're quite expensive, actually. Yeah, and, but th- these mostly are uh, with a key. They're like. Yeah, but everyone, you get 15% off a coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com if you want to go get your male chastity on. <laughs> Why not? All right. That's I, that's great. I forgot about the 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 chastity devices. We didn't so. have them in the brick and mortar, did we? I don't I believe we so. Actually, like, I, I'm, I'm glad you got to see a human with the one oh, in person. Yeah. So. I liked it. It was um, it, it really was lightning. I saw lightning. a guy walking around with one at Burning Man this year. Ooh. Um, pretty, Amy yeah. was there I'm too. There. Damn it. I didn't see the chastity Oh, there you no. go. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, didn't, you didn't go on the naked pup crawl. Fuck, I should have gone on the naked. I love being naked at Burning Man. That's my favorite. I mean, you were probably naked the whole time, really. I was naked like half the time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, but but the chastity thing, I'd be so scared to like get stuck in my my little chastity cage. And then what are, when you have to go to the bathroom, you have to ask for permission. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's a whole. I mean, they're they're typically made, you know, like again, like a female chastity cage. It's made to allow urination. Oh, okay. Oh, there's a hole? Oh, yeah, there's a hole in the base. great. Okay, well, that's nice. Uh, Wow, you get a lot of playa dust up in there, though. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure. I hope it doesn't get in the lock, right? Oh, right. Right. Uber lube in there. Squeaky lock, Uber lube to the rescue. (laughs) I'm learning so much. I love doing episodes with really intelligent humans that have the stats and the research. And Dr. Lay, you are really incredible uh, for sharing your insight about this world that i i just got a thrill you called me really intelligent wow this, oh this is fun is your love, love language words of affirmation as well <laughs> affirmation and acceptance oh, dude. oh you know, we, nice. we accept you Oh, that's this. uh, This was a great way. It's like a candle on a unicorn cake. Okay, I love it. And uh, yes, we would we'd love to have you back on the show at some point to talk about other things. Uh, But 
before we do, because, you know, this has to come out uh, and it's coming out soon, please tell people how they can find you, any social handles, and if they can, if you're taking any clients or if you have anything you want to share about how people can work with you, that would be wonderful. Sure thing. You know, the easy way to reach me is my website, um, davidlayphd.com. And then I'm on Twitter and Instagram on Twitter and, and Instagram. I think it's um, uh, Dr. David Lay. It's L-E-Y, everyone. L-E-Y. L-E-Y. And are you working with any clients or do you do any um, sessions if people wanted to work with you directly? Sure. Uh, you know, I do some limited uh, consulting, um, uh, some some limited kind of intensive treatment for couples that are exploring some of these avenues. Um, I do a whole lot of supervision of, of therapists around the country, around the world, actually. And so one of the things that I'm able to do is meet with folks, talk with them about identifying their needs, clarifying some directions, and then connect them with a therapist that can help them long-term. Uh, and then I'm also now doing um, uh, some intensive couples retreats for couples that are exploring uh, non-monogamy and kink and integrating it in their life, where we're flying couples into some destination locations and spending a couple of days working with them pretty intensively to help them figure out how to do this and do it well. Wow. Sounds cool. And they're they're like guinea pigs or research rats, but they're humans or it sounds like, but they're magically whisked away to a beautiful island somewhere. They sound like unicorns. Yes. Yes. I mean, you can go to the island or we'll take you to Burning Man and run you through a naked maze. Oh, oh my God. Like Um, human car wash. Yeah. Human car wash, (laughs) but with cheese. Ooh, even oh. better. Ooh, I'm lactose a, a Playa cheese, playa grilled cheese. Yeah, oh, playa okay. grilled cheese. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm, I'm making that up, but all of a sudden it sounds like a really good idea. Ooh, right? Playa s'mores, playa grilled. Everything's better than the playa. Everything all right, is. Uh, <laughs> Take 300 days of the man burns. Well, oh, <laughs> something that I was thinking for you, uh, I, I don't know if anyone, like, grant for more research about the these types of of um avenues right i mean give your money to dr Lee. not that he needs it but it's like that the, the more research the better and research in sexuality is it's it's more it's becoming more common but it's still really mysterious and uh it's something that a lot of people are doing right sex is a lot of people want to have it or they're having it. And that's how, you know, children are made, et cetera, et cetera. So hmm, maybe uh, Dr. Lay, if you want me to be your business coach, just kidding. I don't do that. But um, dude, you would be a great person to conduct this research because you already have so many, uh, many years of experience. So I'm just, that's a side note. I, I will say, I mean, research like that, I agree is incredibly important, but also so is the work that you guys are doing. Mm. You know, the um, podcasts like this and people like like yourselves that are sharing information, encouraging dialogue and discussion around sexuality. It is how we push back against the pendulum swing of shame and sexual suppression. And it's one of the things that we're seeing right now with with whether we're talking about the abortion laws or trans laws or anti-porn laws that there is a backlash coming against sexual diversity and sexual freedom. And the more we have people like yourselves out there that are proudly um, identifying their sexuality and accepting their erotic selves, the more we model for other people that you don't have to be afraid or ashamed of your sex. So, you know, um, I'm glad you called your show Shameless Sex because that's what's really important. Oh, thank you. I love a pendulum swing just as much as I love a dick swing. So, <laughs> you know what? Thank you for that. Uh, visualization is coming in. So, Thank you, Dr. Lay, for being here with us and for sharing your wisdom with all of our listeners. To all of our listeners out there, I say this with a full heart. 
And I love you. And so does Amy. She told me. She told me earlier. It's true. We love you so much. If you love us, please do us a flavor. And uh, flavor? Do us a flavor. <laughs> Go ahead and just write us a review. It doesn't have to be a long review. It can be an emoji. But give us five stars on Spotify and on iTunes. It helps people find the work of Dr. Lay, of all of the amazing practitioners, authors, sex educators that we have on our show. And it really does. It helps the world change the world's sexuality. As Dr. Lay was saying, having shameless sex, right? Let's, let's release some of the shame and um, better ourselves and become masters of our own sexuality and pleasure. So uh, I encourage you and invite you to do that right meow. And last but not least, one more invitation for you because we love you so much. We also love our sponsors and we choose our sponsors specifically because we believe in the products that they produce. So if you fast forward through the, the ads, I get it. I totally get it. But buy the stuff that we are actually being sponsored by to help us live our lives and create more shows that are free for you to listen to. This is not a paid thing. This is free to you. And I'm only saying this because our sponsors need to know that you love them too. And we love them. So we say no to a lot of people. A lot, so a the lot. ones we say yes to, we believe in and we we feel like they benefit us in some way. We don't lie. We, we write that shit from our hearts. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of heart talk this show, but I like hearts, cocks, hearts, cocks, unicorns, and things. All the in-betweens. All right, that's it. That's my spiel. All right, we launch a new episode every single Tuesday. We say see you next Tuesday. Thank you for being part of the shameless sex revolution. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, Use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com.